We're live, Christopher. All right. <laughs> thanks, Chris. <laughs> it's always the, the kickoff is always a little bit awkward, but that's fine. <laughs> Happy Tuesday, everybody. Uh, and welcome to another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we're exploring the possibilities of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and answering the questions you need to make the right decisions to build your digital learning ecosystem. Today, we are joined with my friends Todd Tauber, Daniel Abdo, and Effie Rangu to talk about Degreed. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Just, just nod, you can say something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and th those are the moments I said earlier where I was like, do I talk first? Do I wait? It's inevitable, don't worry. Yeah, so yeah. before we get into it, just real quick, if you can do a, a little bit of an intro on who you are so we know, so everybody watching knows who's who's on the show with us. And we'll go, let's see, let's go this direction first. So let's start with Effie and then we'll go down. Sure, thank you, Christopher. Uh, Effie Rango, I am the VP of Product Operations uh, at Degreed. I'm based out of Miami, Florida. Um, and um, I should say that from uh, a background perspective, I've been more of an L&D HR challenge practitioner in the system space um, than not. So this is my first gig in the vendor state in the vendor space. I have been with Degreed for about a year and a half, um, and the the one of the primary focus, I should say, of my job um, at Degreed is to make sure that I that I surface and bubble up the voice of the client and connect it to the voice of product. Okay, perfect. Great. Yeah, my name is Danny Abdo, VP of Solutions Engineering at uh, Degreed. Uh, I'm based out of Palm Beach, Florida. Been with Degreed about four and a half years. Uh, prior to that, um, been in uh, L&D for for majority of the career, my career, maybe 15 years. Um, uh, I came from Bank of America, where I led enterprise learning technology. And at, at Degreed, I've worn a number of hats. Uh, led uh, our implementation team, um, and now sort of sitting in between product engineering and uh, our, our client services capabilities. Okay. Over to you, Todd. Hi, everybody. Uh, Todd Tauber. I am a vice president of product marketing. At, uh, that means uh, that, like Effie, my job is a little bit about listening to the voice of the customer. Uh, but more importantly, it's helping to tell Degreed's story to the world and uh, where the value is in Degreed, how Degreed is uh, different than other solutions and, and how we can fit into people's jobs and lives. I have been here for coming up on four and a half years, uh, and before this, I was at uh, Burson, the uh, Deloitte's human capital research practice, where I led the, the learning research practice for a, a few years. Okay, got it. So you all, were, were you, well, I guess so, Burson, you kind of were on the, the sales or the other side of the fence, but you, Effie and Danny, you were both on the corporate side before you went to degree, yes? That's you right. Kind of, I could kind of count Burson as the corporate side a little bit, I guess, Todd. All right. Well, so one of the first questions, and this is one I actually get a lot in general that I'm very interested in your take on this because I have a perspective, but the emergence of the learning experience platform, right? No shortage of noise about LXPs. We're, we're so excited about the, now everybody's saying they're an LXP because there's not necessarily a clear de definition of what that means. And honestly, to some degree, depending on how you define it, you could call SharePoint an LXP. So you'd be like, hey, you go experience your learning there. But it's it's not the same thing. And I know I know Degreed well. So I'm curious your take on when you talk about LXP, a learning experience platform, what does that actually mean? And I think one of the big burning questions that I, that I get a lot is, how is it different than, say, you know, an LMS or something like that. So that's a double-barreled question, and how you want to answer it. I'm, I, but I'm just, I'd love to hear your guys's take on that. Yeah, I'll take a. 
Sure, I can take a first crack at it. Yeah. I think the definition of a learning experience platform ought to start with the definition of a learning experience. Um, you know, and in, in Burson's definition, that's um, formal training, it's informal learning, it's social learning, and it's uh, experiential learning, right? Um, there's other frameworks out there, but it's a, you know, a comprehensive learning experience. Uh, I think people confuse user experience with learning experience, right? Just putting a shiny new coat of paint on an LMS or a content solution doesn't make it a experience platform. User experience is not someone's learning experience. So for me, that's, I think, fundamental to the, the definition. Yeah, and maybe how it's how it's different from a from an LMS um, kind of reminds me where we started uh, when when I was uh, at Bank of America. You know, this realization that nobody was learning in the organization without the organization sort of forcing them to learn, requiring prescribing learning, um, and the realization that that wasn't really going to work um, with the way the pace of business, you know, the, the skills we needed to to move into the digital transformation, and all these things were happening so quick, we couldn't couldn't sort of manage and prescribe our way um, through that. And so we, we needed the, the organization to sort of be empowered to learn and develop on their own. And, and that's sort of how we were looking, like that was the lens we were looking through a learning experience platform, a platform that really communicated the value um, to the user and was more about the user and gave them the tools they, could, they, they needed to go you know, learn on their own, right? That was sort of, the, sort of how we defined the difference there. Okay. Yeah, and I would just add, oh, sorry, sorry, I was just about to add like a little bit of a, of a perspective like around the, um, I guess, going beyond uh, that whole like learning and education, it's formal education, it's classroom-based training. I mean, this is where the progression of the narrative and the mindset um, in L&D and organizations has, has sort of like brought us to this point where we are looking at learning experiences like these collective packages where each individual um, feels that they're unique and they're getting catered to as opposed to the common denominator approach where we have, you know, traditionally delivered like training on mass at scale, but not necessarily meeting the users where they are with that organizational context. Got it. Well, and I, so a follow-up question to that, and I'll, I'm directing it directly at you. Sorry, I need to look that way because that's where you are, Effie. But we were talking about this before we went live, right? We met in Chicago right when you were in the midst of implementing Degreed. So I'm curious, flipping back to that, and and feel free, Todd and Danny, to add to it. But specific to that experience, you obviously made the decision to go with Degreed in that role you were at. What problems were you facing as an L&D leader that you said, hey, you know, because I guarantee you had other learning tech out there. So you obviously made the decision to say, hey, we need another piece of tech to come in. Why? What was that process? That's a great question. Well, and Christopher, like, like it's it's funny. Like we, we tend to have a little bit of a short term memory how and how fast the world moves and where we were like three years ago, right? So when I joined City, um, and in my role in leading emerging technologies at the time, part of my job was really what you. Chris and Christopher are doing here is was it the ability to differentiate like what was going on the disruption and the sort of like um, energy that was happening in the learning technologies market and trying to identify the right tool for the culture and the conversation that was taking place. So it wasn't about just bringing you know a piece of tech and throwing it into the organization and the culture, but rather trying to meet the narrative of where that organization was. And we were in a much more innovative space. I mean, if, if you look at um, some of the um, presentations and podcasts from the chief learning officer now, Cameron Hedrick, um, you'll, you'll hear 
um, how progressive they were and how the culture was moving away from this sort of like traditional notion of top-down cascade managing learning I mean, the definition of a learning management system um, and trying to go more broad into this whole notion of workplace learning mantra, three E's, education experience exposure um, from, a, from a culture and a capability standpoint, but also from a technology, um, I would say from an infrastructure standpoint. Um, and I feel many companies are going through that journey right now or have probably recently completed the journey, moving away from that mindset of building and looking at a mindset of integrating and buying. So if, if we're looking at a sort of like an ecosystem play and the way that we bring all these different things together to deliver a very simplified and engaging uh, experience to the individual, um, we were essentially also looking at a different narrative when it came down to which technologies we pick and how do we start architecting that new tech stack to deliver the culture and conversation that was already in place. So um, I would say those two were the main drivers when it came down to picking the tool. The third one and the most important thing, and that's a personal kind of view, this is Effie's like one woman's view kind of thing. Um, when, you, when you look at partnerships and technology and, and deployments and organizations, you also look at the leadership and the culture of the partner that you pick. So you don't just buy a tool, you don't just buy a device, you buy a potential of a leadership team, team of a culture or something that you trust that will continue to evolve with you as an organization. And that was something that um, also got me a little bit enamored with, with uh, what degree we had to offer. And obviously it was uh, one of the uh, reasons why I made the leap of faith and joined the company as well after that experience. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I, I work with a lot of different people and that, that last piece you talk about does make, it makes a big difference, right? If, if, even if there's a head to head and it's, so I, I can completely relate to that one. Um, one question that came in through the chat and then I've, I've got another kind of direction I want to go with it is, so we talked about the difference between the LMS and the LXP. And I, and again, like I said, I think there's no shortage of confusion there sometimes with folks is the technology the, the question came in from aid is the digital tech the main difference if you were to say hey here's lms here's lxp is the technology the main differentiator between the two um i i don't i don't think so i think um i think really the difference is in the in the name right the the, the management being the key word L learning management systems are more geared towards the, the administrative capabilities of managing compliance ilt training um uh, maybe, yeah, VILT, sort of uh, creating your own training and pushing it out there. It, there's, there's, it's really heavy on the management side where, where the experience is, is what it's like. What, what the experience platform focuses on is the user, right? And from the minute they come into the platform, how do we connect the, um, the value, the purpose of why they should learn? What are they going to get out of it? Um, and, and then utilizing sort of what they would utilize in their consumer lives in terms of all of the modalities of training and the sources of training, bringing the best to, to, to help them develop the skills that they're interested in, in, in the purpose, and then giving them a way to sort of reflect that they've acquired that learning. But, but it is this cycle, this virtuous cycle that just puts the user in the center um, more than it is any set of like, you know, group of features or anything like that. It's, it's sort of the... Re the why they use the platform and that end-to-end -end experience of what they're getting out of the platform where the, yeah, the LMS is sort of a little bit more focused, puts the admin in the center of that experience. Okay. 
So, and, and this is one of my kind of takeaways from LXPs, and I'm curious if, if it's accurate based on what you would say or, or correct me if I'm wrong. But one difference when I look at an LMS versus an LXP is so your LMS, and this goes, it's a combination tech and mindset in that one, an LMS is more, hey, we put our stuff here. This is where everything goes. People are expected to go there and that's where they do their learning. And LXP is looking at it more as, Yes, that may be part of it, but there's a lot more going on and we want to bring all that together under the same roof so that we're not just assuming that this is all, all that we have. Is that, at least to some degree, a, a fair representation? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that the LMS, you know, when you think about, um, I think of it like a solar system or you can use a lot of analogies, but all the places that people go to learn and develop um, the LMS is one piece of that in today's in today's world, right? And so the LMS does answer for that, and it's mostly going to reflect the maybe some third party content, but mostly the content your organization has created. Um, where the LXP is going to bring sort of all of the different planets of learning, whether it's informal, formal, um, all of that together, and connect it back to the skills that you're trying to develop and meeting you in the flow of work, which is probably something we could talk about later. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's like the LMS is sort of a slice of the pie in terms of the overall learning, you know, experience that your employees are expecting. Absolutely. Yeah, and Danny, I, I, I won't use your solar, yeah. and I'm going to go down a more, much more pedestrian analogy of an elastic band kind of thing. So I'd like to think of the LXP as that elastic band that can flex to meet the organization, is that find balance between the top down and bottoms up, um, meet the enterprise where they're at in their needs to be able to direct context which is not something that, yes, LMSs can direct content, but not the context and the purpose behind why people learn and why they should dedicate the, the time and they will find value in dedicating the time to do that. Um, but um, also making sure that in the way that the elastic band um, flexes, it, we're very careful on how we do that. Um, and again, we align the technology to the culture conversation, to the mindset shift and understanding that you're not just copying all the ways into the new um, sort of like journey. Okay. So, and a question came in, I, I want to ask that one, but while we're on this topic of kind of this elastic band, we've got solar system analogies going, <laughs> right? I, I think that with that, bringing these other things all together, I, I know personally, that's not always easy because trying to hook this stuff together. And I think this is where one of the problems I've seen LXP solve is that. I'm curious, how does that work with Degreed in terms of plugging this in? Because that sounds, right, it sounds really cool. Like, yeah, we bring all the learning kind of under one umbrella. Like, okay, but how does that actually work? Does it plug in? What does that look like from a tech standpoint? Yeah, sure, sure. From a technology standpoint, um, and this is, this is an area um, that, you know, sort of foundation, I think foundational to, to sort of LXPs and, and specifically to Greed, right? Um, sort of a dedicated integration team for, for a number of years that goes out into the ecosystem. A lot of this comes from voice of customer, us doing our research. What are sort of the prominent sources of learning, the best sources of learning? Our integrations team can go out there and build these integrations, meaning um, we speak to these different sort of uh, islands of learning we index their catalogs, so we pull we we pull that through API, so we can surface all of the learning under one umbrella. Um, we gather all that metadata, so we can feed it into the data science and, and, and AI engines to connect that learning to people. So when a user can discover learning from any source on on an LXP, they can launch it, 
And then that system speaks back to, to the greed when they complete that learning so we can bring together this universal transcript that reflects you know, any, any learning they've completed wherever it is. And so part of the equation is one, us building those integrations against these sources. The other part is creating that ecosystem. Now we have um, other sources of learning that, that will build against our API and integrate into our ecosystem. And so over you know, the past five years, you can imagine you know, hundreds of, of systems. So when a client says, look, we really like this source of content, can you activate that in our ecosystem? Integration's already been built. We're able to turn it on, enable it for you know the entire organization, small slices of the organization, and that sort of thing. But but being able to really make that easy for, for clients to enable. Can you give some so examples, then, well, Danny? One thing I would add to that. Go, go ahead, Ty. Go ahead. Just go, go for it. No, go no, for it. What, I, what I was going to add is it's not just about us plugging degreed into stuff. It's us enabling individuals to collect and crowdsource learning from wherever it is that they're going. Um, so we're empowering individuals to find into the work environment from wherever it is that they're working. It's not just one central um, for all learning. Okay. And I, I think that's a, a, a unique thing in our our, difference. our mm -hmm. product. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then to, to answer Chris's question, you know, when you think about that content ecosystem and our content strategy, it, it's definitely it's, it's not a one size fits all. It's the, the content could be coming from third-party integrations, which could be paid paid for vendors like your your LinkedIn Learnings, your Safari Books, your GitAbstract. Could be more from open source, you know, content providers that provide freemium content. It could be generated from your users. It could um, it's coming. You know, we're paying attention to to learning that users are consuming um, all over the ecosystem. And as we see learning that's trending, we can connect that back into our ecosystem. Um, plus informal learning from your organization that might not be coming from your LMS, might be coming from SharePoint, might be coming from, you know, your internal video servers. It's really this sort of, you know, complete, um, you know, wherever the learning exists, if it's a value, we want to be able to hook into it in your ecosystem. Okay. Chris, you had a question. What was it? That, that was, that was, he, 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 Dan, Danny answered okay. the question. Yeah. Because okay. I just think of because I, I know all of the company he's was referring to that, that that can be pulled in. I just want for everyone listening on LinkedIn, they may not be as aware of the types of content and different partners that you can bring in. That's why I was asking that question as well. So yeah. Well, and and you hit on one thing that, and it sounds like this is part of the implementation when when somebody partners with Degree is that integration the integration team i guess is what you referred to them as because i think i i know i've run into this it's easy to think oh this is what people are doing or this is where people are getting their content from and that may be coming from the crystal palace and we really don't have a good perception of okay but where really are people learning so that's part of the process then is discovering really what where is that learning happening correct yeah, exactly. And, and I guess you're getting into like sort of the data side of it. So so every interaction a user has, they're sort of, you kind of think about this kids back to the difference between maybe an LMS as well and an LXP, sort of the, the data point that they're really tracking is completion, right? It's, it's a completion of, yeah. a, of a learning item. What we're, we're capturing, like the, 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 the data load that we're capturing is a lot more robust. So we're looking at exactly what source did they, um, did they access it from? What was the modality? What was actually the topic, right? So we can understand the topics that, that, that it's related to, just to name a few. And so we're trying to capture all of that so we can feed those insights back into this dashboard 
So, you know, as an organization, you can make the right investments and you can understand, you know, either where are the gaps or where should we be maybe investing more into in terms of topics, types of content, sources of content. That's all part of the data set that we feed back to the organization. Yeah, and Jenny, I would say even like good products are are the ones that meet people where they are in their behavior. So if I think about just going into the super tactical sort of like flow of being able to interact um, and portray content um, in your profile with your peers, with your colleagues, wherever that is coming from in your ecosphere, in your your stratosphere um, of, of uh, content sources and expertise, that workflow in a, in a learning management system is much more controlled and most likely a lot more onerous. Um, has some layers of process, has some layers of governance. You probably, depending on the size of the organization, have an army of people who are managing this kind of workflows. You flip it over to the learning experience platform and specifically what we do at Degree with one click, one thumb on a sort of like move on your device, you can actually engage in that um, workflow without necessarily having to interact with others and being able to feel that you have the power in your hands to be able to just get to what you need to really meaningfully spread that knowledge, get to the content, get to the experts, and then just get on with your day. So the ability to like have that very simple um, workflow helps generate the engagement that we need to then go after all the type of things that, that Danny just spoke to and the, the, the digital footprint that can then lead us to much more meaningful conversations on the talent and the learning side. Okay. And that, that actually flows into a question that came through yeah, the chat. Yeah, I was thinking John, the same thing. <laughs> which was, right, we're talking about these learning pathways and these skills and, and pulling all this stuff together. And traditionally, in maybe a different type of system or maybe the legacy way of doing it was, right, corporate crystal palace, we define these competencies, these skills, and then we push that down and hope that we got it relatively accurate. What you're talking about is a little more of the organic, figuring out what's actually happening. How does Degree then balance that? Because there's there's kind of a need to balance both the informal and formal. Yeah. That, How does that's it decide right. what needs to be learned or what levels things need to be aimed at? Yeah, that, that, that's right. And, and that's exactly the way. To, um, we're always trying to find that balance between sort of the organization, what the organization needs, and then maybe the individual's interests and what they need for their own career development, their own personal growth. Um, and part of the way, so I, I talk a lot about sort of skills-led learning. Um, the idea that, you know, you, you, you sort of lead with the, the skill that you want first and then allow the LXP to go find the best learning across all these sources and, and tell you how to develop that skill. So, so really it becomes a question of where does that, where do the skills come? How do users discover, you know, the skills that they would want to develop? And so we, through integration and through these different venues, we allow that information to feed from a lot of venues. So the organization does have the opportunity to um, sort of push down the, the skills that they think are relevant for specific roles or for specific audiences. Um, we can we can give based on the users um, their journey and what skills they've been developing in the past and in, in their interests we're able to recommend skills that they should be learning next. They can get a view into what other people like them are developing in the platform. And then managers play a, a big role. I think they're often overlooked because they provide good insight on sort of directing maybe the skills that employees should develop. And so, so we start there and let these skills sort of um, surface in front of the user. And then they, they sort of drive the last mile of, of selecting those skills. And then, you know, then the learning kind of fills in underneath sort of like kind of walking through that experience, that journey a little bit in, in that response. 
Okay. So and this is not, oh, Christopher, sorry. If I can just add, like, I, I think there's something about um, what we're talking about here is not necessarily like new, right? So the, the ability to create like these matrices of like skills aligned to roles in different uh, contexts in an organization, this is something that's been going on for like decades. It's how we do that that's very different with what we offer with Degreed. It's the ability to be much faster, much more dyna dynamically reactive, I should say, to the pulse of the organization and the ebbs and flows um, of skills development, especially at this day and age where, you know, emerging skills like new jobs. I mean, my, my job three years ago, my title did not exist. It was a new title. I have some jokes if anybody's interesting about, you know, how it was uh, uh, tied back to compensation structures and systems at the time. Um, but like, like this is the reality of the world that we live in, right? And there's all these new jobs and the makeup of the puzzle of the new jobs that are that need some sort of context and definition and the ability sometimes to dynamically surface that as it's happening um, is where we're differentiating ourselves and I think where we can become a lot more efficient to organizations and functions but also to individuals in the way that this is managed and surfaced and individuals can transact with their profile around that in degree. Okay. Yeah, but, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask. I've, I've got another one after this, but you know, in terms of competitive differentiation, right? You're, you're not the only LXP on the market. What is, and you, and you hit on it a little bit there, uh, but are, are there any kind of core platforms or core differentiators that you say, hey, this is, we're degreed, this is really what we do well. And one of the things I, I know just from knowing the team there is that partnership and just the thought the direction and kind of mindset that Degreed has is definitely distinct in the market, but I'm curious your take on some of those other pieces that you say, hey, you're not gonna get this from another platform. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so when we talk to customers about why we're winning deals and why they like working with us, um, we hear it's a partnership a lot. Um, what we're talking about here is not do learning in the and that has implications at both the individual level and at the organizational level right for LD teams themselves our most um, sophisticated most advanced clients literally have different kinds of people with different skills different jobs than some of the ones that are just starting out with us as an example at uh, uh, our customer event last year, both Cisco and Capital One talking about how they have software developers reporting L&D teams, building things like APIs and connectors. Um, that's not something you see at other companies. Danny, when he uh, was at Bank of America, um, and they still have people doing this job, had the, the role of product manager. So there's real transformation that has to happen um, along with uh, implementations, we're it, you know it's not being driven by us. We're an enabler of that. But what we hear and see over and over again is the clients that are most engaged with us want to go through that transformational process. They want to do things fundamentally differently. And it's like Danny said earlier, it's less about managing learning for people and more about enablers to drive more of the development process for themselves and for each other um, and that has big on the sort of value chain of delivering learning as a, a service right so uh we have services um everything from 
initiations and implementation. Through long-term uh, marketing and adoption services, we workshops to help upskill uh, our clients' teams. We put together community activities each other. Um, there's a whole lot more to degree than just software. Um, we really are building, I think, a you know, a, a community and a movement. Yeah, and I would maybe add, um, you know, then when you get into like the technology, right? I, I hate to give like feature feature sort of comparisons and things like hey, that. It's, a, but it's, it's the tech talk, so so yeah, okay. exactly. there are ways yeah. to do it. We can't avoid All right. this. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go tech. Um, so well, no. So I think you you do hear a lot about machine learning and AI, right? Like I think that's been sort of a buzzword. Um, yeah. What what makes that different, right? Um, I think there's two things that I would say that makes that different. It's most of these algorithms around AI and machine learning are, are, are people are using the same algorithms. What makes the difference, I think, is the data model and the data density. Um, the way that we built our data science, it is based on the relationship of skills and learning, right? Which is different than just learning. So, so what I mean by that, maybe maybe an example. Um, a lot of the data science we see would be more akin to Netflix, right? They're they're optimizing for people to click. On, on learning based on previous learning that they've done, right? So we've seen in the past that you take, them, Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. And so, so you're not really moving the individual forward. You're just saying, hey, you took this learning. You might like this learning. Um, we're more optimized on you've taken this learning, so you should take this next to sort of further this, or you may be interested in this other related skill. And so our data set sort of being built on a skills graph a learning, a learning graph where we've aggregated all this content in the relationship between the two allows us to do a lot more meaningful things, you know, getting into with enough data leveling, right? There's a big difference between being a beginner data scientist, an advanced, an expert. The content should sort of flow accordingly. So I think data science is an area we, we just approach fundamentally, have approached fundamentally different, um, differently. Um, I think like our, our content marketplace, the diversity of that marketplace, we, we are, we've always been completely agnostic. Um, so we allow clients to plug in, you know, anything into that ecosystem that they can find value into um, and literally have hundreds and thousands of sources that, that we're able to bring to bear. Um, so I think that that marketplace is, is quite different. Um, even something as simple that's not even really a feature, but the premise that the user has ownership of their profile and degree. We, we found this, I know, at my old organization and a lot of organizations found like this was a really powerful way to get people to engage in the platform. The idea that they sort of own this profile and all of the development they're doing and the skills that they're acquiring, they can take with them, right? They, they've got a sense of ownership. It compels them to engage a little bit more. That's, that's less technology. And I would probably say, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go to, 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 oh, well, I would say the last thing is the ability we, we have a pretty robust mechanism that allows people after they've done all this learning to then measure and, and sort of assess that they've acquired a skill and then mm -hmm. to signal that they have the skill. I think that's a bit unique. So it's, it's one, understanding the skills you want to develop, helping you learn those skills. But then at the end, what do you actually have to show for it? The ability to signal that's a big, a big piece. I think that's, that's different in that journey. That, well. that was tremendously, and for me personally, right, one of the things that stood out when you talked about the machine learning piece with it is this whole kind of edutainment thing <clears throat> that's, wow, it's weird being on full screen like that, Ivan. That's <laughs> for you all call it that, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it threw me for a loop. I'm actually choking on that, um, is the fact that 
I, I've always, it's, it's not always been clear in the way you describe that. Help me, be, me better understand. You talk a lot about, you know, how you're focused on skill development and the way you explain the way the machine learning is not just saying, hey, you like TED Talks. Here's another TED Talk. You know, you, you found this interesting. Here's something else. It's more focused on, hey, here's something you're developing in. Here's how you can develop that further. Or here's something that's transferable that you may be able to do. If that's an accurate representation. Yeah. To me, that is a distinct difference. That's, you hit the nail on the head. And, and I do think. Yeah, yeah. go ahead, Todd. Uh, I was just So Danny and I liked a lot. I think um, people like to use the Netflix. We think Amazon, or at least I think Amazon is a more appropriate analogy here. You know, when Amazon used to only sell books and you would buy a book every once in a while, Amazon only knew what books you liked and they only knew um, how to reach you through books, right? So every once in a while, if you were getting like a weekly recommendation, they might hit on something that you cared about. You can buy pretty much everything on Amazon and sell everything. Um, they've got a much more consistent patterns uh, of behavior, not just the books you write, but everything that you buy, right? Um, or at least everything that you buy through Amazon. And that's not all coming from Amazon, by the way. Um, and they've got a much more sort of um, fine of your personal beer. And they can compare that not just to you and your family, right? Which is the equivalent of only looking at what you or other people in your role look like, but that with similar behavior patterns look at. And that, I think, what here, right? Yeah. We have this um, huge sort of index of free and cheap um, from all over the web and all over the place. And people look at that stuff, and you know, what's the value of an article? Individually, not a whole lot, but the value of that diversity is the ability to connect with people and to feed their curiosity, small, large ways, much more consistently. Only in front of people are only recommending courses to them because our data both behaviorally and from the research we've done shows that most people aren't taking classes and courses more than a few times a year you know and in right. between they might be watching videos but they're also watching our books they're listening to podcasts totally. this um, you know they're doing all they're connecting with each other they're sharing stuff with each other they're contributing as well as Right? So if you have a much more complete view of people's learning behavior, not just consuming formal training content, but the informal stuff and the people we're connected to and the groups we belong to, you have a much better sort of picture of these people and build a literally a graph of interest-related skills and topics that are relevant to those people and have a much more diverse and open ecosystem of learning opportunities. Again, not just formal content, but informal and people and experiences um, you've got a much better chance of feeding into people's elemental needs as well as um, helping them explore their city. That, that's right. And now we're kind of getting into the nerdy part of this because it, but it's, but it's really important stuff when you talk about this, because one of my challenges and what I've seen in the past that has been a limitation with getting to this point is a lot of platforms I've worked with historically, you know, even as they've moved into machine learning a little more, it was, well, the machine learning is working off of just purely the data you put into it, which we all know is not <laughs> usually very good. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, well, here's your job title. Here's your where you live. And that might not even be accurate. And here's how long you've been in your role. And you have a job title that I don't really know much about anyway. 
So yes, there's some recommendations coming down the pipeline, but it's not really based on anything of any real meaningful value. And that is a huge limitation to a lot of things I've seen in the market. Yeah. Christopher, I think what, oh, sorry, Danny, I was just about to jump into the whole partnership piece. I think this is what we do really well and what's really important for us when it comes down to surfacing the voice of our clients, of our customers, understanding the type of challenges that really prohibited them from getting into the ideal state of these kind of practices that have always existed and then taking what's new, taking what's innovative um, and bringing it in and doing this in tandem with them, like being able to have um, that gatekeeper kind of like purview where we protect them, we protect our clients by way of the type of efficiency and functionality and features that we develop, but at the same time we listen to them and we partner with them to actually get them to um, the ideal state when it comes down to talent management mobility under, understanding the the skills that are really um developing organically in their organizations uh, yeah and so one one last one last thing because i do want to get into being able to show the platform a little bit right so we can get into that and we're getting to that point of the show but before we do i'm going to uh, drop a big you know bomb on you guys to try and tackle this one because <laughs> two of the things we've talked about here are big fish to fry with this. So when you look at, and there's, there's a perception I think out there with some that you buy an LXP, you flip a switch and like magically all your stuff gets fixed. And that's that's not a reality. I think you guys would be comfortable completely acknowledging that. So you talked about some of the stuff, Todd, about this is a fundamental shift for organizations that they have to make. And that's not always, or rarely is it an easy transition. Even when people say we wanna change or be different or approach things differently, getting down to that isn't always the easiest journey. So how do you, how would you encourage people who maybe are earlier in the journey or just saying, hey, we're hearing this stuff, we know we need to go that route. We've got a long road ahead. What are some things that are practical in helping them? And I know you talked a lot about the resources. That's one thing I think you do a great job of. Degree puts out a lot of stuff to do that. What are some other things that you would recommend people do to, to prepare themselves to make this journey? That could take the rest of the show, I'm guessing. But <laughs> I know, like not all at once kind of thing. Um, so I would say, I mean, just building on this, this mindset shift um, perspective, I think there's, there's, a, there's, there's the whole um, operating system of a company, right? Not the technology, but the operating system that is a company when it comes down to its um, infrastructure, this tooling, technology, the processes and the governance, but then also the understanding of where the culture needs to be a little bit more bold and a little bit more um, open as it relates to implementing these type of tools. So again, just going back to, um, you know, learning management system, we're used to managing these kind of things. We manage change, we manage learning. Um, and then you move into this world of a learning experience and you realize that um, it's less about managing the learning and it's more about almost like taking a role of this urban architect, a digital urban architect of culture. And if, if the minds, if that mindset is there, then the the um, way that the conversation flows when it comes down to creating process and governance and um, uh, plug and plugging and playing this ecosystem and tech stack in there, um, it becomes a little bit uh, less daunting. If 
And I think that that's the challenge. Sorry, I'm sort of like not answering that question very directly, but I would say that that would be the biggest uh, challenge that I've seen. Um, organizations have gone through it myself, and uh, I hear about this from other clients when um, those things, the, the, these specific um, elements are not part of the conversation when you are looking at um, uh, bringing in degreed. And um, if you if you start there, then it makes it a lot easier to build velocity and the adoption and the um, stickiness uh, of the technology. Plus, of course, we create, you know, we're, we're all about the ecosystem. So we, we sort of like play Switzerland when it comes down to content um, aggregation. Uh, we do that when it comes down to depicting your expertise through your profile, but we also do that when it comes down to building a community and a community of clients, a community of users, a community of experts. Um, so where you look at the events that we organize, not just our um, doing a little bit of a plug here for our conference, our, our annual conference, but then also like, I mean, really more specifically bringing together communities of people who are trying to solve the same problem. And sometimes it's just not a single route to cracking that same nut and being able to surface that collective intelligence amongst them actually does help um, help them uh, be a lot more efficient in what they're trying to do with degrees. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I would I would say that was great. And, and just, you know, even more, more tactically, um, when you think about sort of existing L&D teams, skill sets, roles, um, kind of a little bit of that starts changing too, right? You sort of, you move away from just being sort of content builders, to, or not move away, but in addition to being content builders, you're now able to, you know, the concept of curating, right? Um, I think there's a bigger emphasis on marketing sort of skill sets as, as well, um, you know, because really you, you are marketing sort of um, to your end users in, in a different way. This isn't compliance learning or, or required learning, so a marketing skill set, and, and then viewing yourself more as sort of like facilitators that's trying to empower the organization. So a lot of the tool sets that I think one of the differences, going back to the original question in LXP, is you can push down a lot of capabilities to managers, to business leaders, um, in terms of them sort of taking some ownership and pulling together learning paths and, and learning for their organizations. So in a lot of, um, you know, you're starting to facilitate and empower your business leaders. So some of the functions that you're, you're traditionally used to, you know, a little bit more administrative, more building, a lot of that changes. And so sort of kind of getting ready for a little bit of that shift. Um, okay. I would say, right, another piece is the executive sponsorship piece. I think to go down this journey, making sure you've got really good executive sponsorship because there is a cultural change that goes along with this, right? There, there is that transformation. And then probably say the last idea is don't go into this trying to boil the ocean, right? It, this is where sort of we help sort of break this up into, into sort of goals and milestones in terms of you know, just being able to simplify, focus on simplifying, you know, the learning, the learning journey and experience is a good, a good first step. And then, and then focusing on engagement and, and then moving into sort of, sort of skills and measurement, trying to, trying to break up these milestones so it doesn't seem as daunting. Those are, those are some, some items I would throw in there as well. Awesome. Well, and let's, we can transition here in a second over, but to just to one of the things you both hit on, and this is something that I, I fully agree with is it starts at home. And this is one area I see a lot of times gaps within L&D, right? We need to look in the mirror and be like, are we really, do we actually believe in this change? Are we behind this? Because if we're not, then, you know, if, if in the back of our mind, we're like, yeah, but really hosting classroom sessions is we know that's the best. We can do this digital thing, but it's kind of a, 
a temporary mix, it's it only makes it more difficult. And I and Carl asked the question. We could talk about this for way too long, so we won't go too deep into it. But right, those common skill gaps in L and D, and you hit on those. Those marketing, that thinking differently versus just making more content, things like that. So um, th th that's extremely helpful. Danny, do you want I would to? Add, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just I was I was about to add data um, in those uh, in those yeah. categories that you just called out, Christopher. The ability to to be um, a lot more. And I know this is a phrase that gets thrown about quite a bit. The data like approach, but really being able to look at the pulse of where the organization is going and meet and match the quantitative to the qualitative, um, and perhaps too much in our past we have relied on the qualitative and the anecdotal before the quantitative. So being able to bridge the two and being able to monitor it in a much more, um, I would say, um, fluent and elegant way is something that we have to get better at. Yeah. That's like I said, it starts at home. So, all right, Danny, you want to pull it up and we can take a look at the platform and talk a little bit about some of these, these pathways, this skill stuff, this curation stuff with we're all talking about, but seeing it, I think is extremely helpful. Yeah, sure, sure. Let's do that. Um, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I just pulled up the the screen. Let me know when you guys are able to see my screen. We can see it. We can all see right. it. Yeah. And so, so I, I'm not obviously we we don't have time to do a full demo or anything like that. So I'll try to pick some some points to sort of illustrate some of the concepts we talked about. And and this is a this is sort of an onboarding experience that can be. Some organizations will enable it. Some organizations already have all this data on their users, so they they don't need to, and they can skip it. But I think it. It sort of it sort of um, illustrates sort of this skills skills led learning concept, right? That if we can understand the skills that a, that the user wants to develop, we can do a much better and, and in a much more scalable way the, the curating of the learning they need to develop. That where the old model was a little bit more based on, hey, we need to develop a skill. Let's go sort of manually map you know these training items to to develop that skill. This is a little bit um, more scalable, and so you know in this case. It already knows I'm a data scientist, but maybe I'm maybe I'm interested in another role or, or something like that. Uh, that the user would have the ability to select a role they're interested in, and based on that role, right? They're gonna we're gonna suggest relevant skills that we know other you know the other however many thousands of people in that role are are developing, right? And so they can go through here and select and and, and choose those skills. Um, and, and then before you go on, on, one question real quick, yeah. sorry to cut into it, sure. but those roles, is that purely, because you're obviously pulling data and, and kind of curating, okay, hey, here's skills for this role. Is that purely roles that are in your organization or is that also kind of pulling from, hey, these are general roles? I'm just curious. Well, well the organization gets to decide, like okay. if they want to use our, there's, what I would say is the most you common is, is a hybrid. It, it, yeah, it's it's so so we would we would mix some of their skills in in users based off of some because what we're finding a lot of organizations don't really know the exact sort yeah. of roles and skills and so that's where we're actually providing some help and value. We can say, look, other organizations like you, here are the roles that they're using. Here are the skills that people are developing for those roles. So it's typically typically ends up being like a hybrid: some of their data, some of our data, okay. um, to to do that. Um, and then you know one of the things is getting them to actually. Um, Give us a level so we know because this is where we can baseline one we start to understand like how do people perceive their and we can feed this data back to the organization how do they perceive their level in these in these roles but more importantly or in these skills then we know what what target 
skill they need to set, and then we can start targeting content to sort of to help bridge that gap at the appropriate levels. Um, so we, we would capture that information, and then based on that, right, this is where you'll see some of the machine learning happening. We're going to assemble, we're going to go out to the ecosystem and all the different sources of content that, that that's in the organization's ecosystem, and we are going to start um, curating a feed for them, right? And, and done well, when you think about the overall experience a user has, right, there's sort of three ways they're going to interact. They're either going to, they're either going to search for something up like that they're looking for, they're going to browse, they're not really sure what they're looking for, or, or we're going to surface stuff up in their feed. And, and what we found, the, more, the better that the machine learning works, the better the recommendations in their feed, the less searching and the less browsing that they're actually doing. And you'll see we give them context, right, for all of the items that they're seeing in their feed. You know, this is because of a, a development plan that they're in. They're seeing this learning. Um, they're starting to, we give them feedback on it, right? Who's completed it? How many times has it been recommended? How many people have liked it? Um, and, and it would go on and on. And so this feed is going to be a combination. We're taking a lot of channels, right? We're taking a social channel. Like you'll see here, people in my network that, that are sharing, sharing items. Um, personal curation, things that I've saved. Um, because, you know, I am in that data scientist role, you'll see, you know, we're, we're bringing in content from different sources. And it sort of goes on and on, right? It's, it's going to be machine curated, socially curated, stuff that my organization's recommended, even compliance if you turn that on, right, that you're required to do. So we sort of give them, give them that feed. Um, and then from, a, from like a, just to go through the browse, I'll, I'll click on the browse um, item to sort of illustrate like the different, uh, the different types of objects and experiences we're able to bring to, to bear, right? It's, it's much more than... I would say just, uh, and I think there, there was a question about this, right? It's, it's much more than just um, informal, formal learning. We want to capture everything, right? Events you've attended, experiences that you've had, accomplishments to really build that, that full, you know, robust profile around the individual. And so we're giving them things like, um, you know, pathways, just to, just to maybe click on a, uh, a pathway, which is sort of a, um, uh, a collection of learning around a specific topic, right? And so we sort of give them this sort of modern, mobile-friendly experience to go through these different sections and complete this pathway um, where they can sort of expand and, and they, they can see the sequence of learning they need to pass through to become, let's say, a data scientist or something like that. You know, sort of the concept of a, of a yeah. pathway illustrated there. Yep. Yep. Go for it, Todd. Pause. Yeah, <laughs> his connection died. Okay, um, sort of. Sort of... Uh, it's fine. He's just muted. Let me unmute him. Okay. Uh, oh, he's muted. He's muted himself, so I can't unmute him. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, if you can, if waiting. you can, if you can hear us, Todd, you're muted. You unmute yourself. Thanks. <laughs> One question with this, as as we're kind of looking through here, a question came through on this from a customization, and, and we actually had this discussion last time, customization versus configuration. How much customization is there in terms of you know, the, the overall look, feel, flow, and then you know, what kind of configuration options do you have with stuff as on the admin side or as, a, as an L&D org? Yeah, are you speaking specifically to maybe like the look and feel or yeah. just configuration? Yeah, I, I would say in general, the. Um, the configure it's more of a configuration approach, right? But okay. to, to achieve, we sort of stay away from um, 
sort, sort of customization um, for, yeah. for a lot of reasons, right? It, 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 it's not as scalable. You know, you're supporting a bunch of different customized deployments. It, it, it creates a lot of tech debt. Um, so we try to yeah. build the same ability through con- configuration. And so what I would mean by that is, you know, maybe you don't like the four by grid on this and you want a, you want a different type of grid approach. You want a, a six by three or you don't like the, the colors or the imagery or, you know, even on every page, right, we sort of give flexibility for, for some sort of changing. Let me jump into one of these use cases to, to illustrate it. And these are, these are examples of use cases. Like, cause, so we customize or configured this whole page just to, to be more of a demo page. This would look totally yeah. different for, you know, a different organization. Um, you know, you team portals, everybody's familiar with. Let's go to career pathing um, where an individual wants to understand, hey, what are some good good um, uh, maybe next step roles for me based on my current, uh, my, my current skill set, we're able to sort of help direct them. Um, and as I jump into one of these pages, um, let's go, because since I'm in data science, um, I wanted to, wanted to jump into, jump into a, uh, one that was built out. You'll, you'll see these pages then for data architect, you'll see, you know, there's these different sections, like these are the skills I need for a data architect. Um, it'll actually plot my rating against the needed rating for this. So, so I can say, wow, you know, I'm only three skills away from this. Let me follow this skill signal to the signal to the system to start now automatically curating me learning to help me close those skill gaps for this next step role. But you'll see the different sections like pathways, groups, people, content, all of this is completely configurable, right? And there's, and there's more objects and things like that. So you can sort of arrange um, the different the different experiences that you want for, for your organization. Okay. And Danny, if I can just uh, jump in there in terms of the um, configurability versus customization. I mean, this is why we surface that we bubble up the voice of the client and we have um, connections with, um, a, I would say, a handful of strategic clients that can help us really hone into the um, challengers or the problems that they're trying to solve and then let us as the experts be able to come in and provide those solutions to them. So it's less about, you know, um, what what uh, what color is the button, like the, the little button that you see on the screen and more about the bigger picture value proposition of what am I trying to solve? What is the behavior that I'm trying to meet my users in? And then backing into how do we architect that both um, on the front end and the back end to be able to deliver that. So um, as, as Danny said, more configurability, even though there is flexibility through our curation tools um, when it comes down to designing the experiences in a digital way. Yeah, well, and I think, right, I think the whole configuration movement is a, a better play. I think customizations, I think a lot of organizations are learning from the pains of back in the day when you did all custom stuff and we custom built and custom did this and, and now they need to switch platforms or they need to make a change and the whole thing just implodes because it was built in its own way. Yeah, and the other thing I would add to that, you know, and, and I've, I'm guilty of this, right, being coming from L&D, um, I, I would think, hey, this would be a great customization. This would be a great way to change the platform. But I wasn't sort of the, the expert there. And so what I think Degree does a great job of is using data to back up a lot of sort of the design decisions and that sort of thing, right? To say, look, like we've done the A-B testing. If you're looking for engagement, I, I, we can prove to you that this, the way we've set this up is the best way to get the engagement you're looking for. Um, and, and so we do, you know, we obsess over that because like, you know, what that's one of the, 
sort of cornerstones is, is employees have to want to use it, that the engagement has to be high. And so we use a lot of data to back up those decisions so everybody can sort of see the thought process and the results that have gone through the design the design choices as well. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, with, 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 with customization, it's you get into that battle of, right, you know, everybody's everybody's got an opinion and it's not always a good one. So that's, it, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's the, it's the anti, it's, it's the anti sort of experience approach because you end up with a Franken, Frankenstein, right? You, what, what you end up with is a lot of features, um, but not an experience that, that feels very connected and fluid for the end user. So it really goes against sort of the, you know, creating an experience for the end user when you, when you have these sort of one-off customizations that are built into it. Um, but yeah, I, I think we, and just to, to bring that argument full circle, um, that you know, doing those kinds of customizations might be the right thing for the organization, but it is not necessarily the right thing for a large group of of employees. Um, they yeah. need the familiarity, they need consistency, um, and uh, it just isn't important to people, right? I'd much rather have relevant stuff in my feed than pretty uh, with my company's logo on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I know we're, we're sort of up on time. Maybe I'll, I'll show one thing that illustrates something that we, we spoke a lot yeah, about. I have one question, learning. too, on that. But go ahead and do this real quick. Okay. Yeah, so, so what, what you're looking at now is a little bit more of an admin feature. It's, it, the use case is an organization that, that they know what their roles are, but there's no way that they're going to be able to manually go and curate every piece of learning and every piece of skill to all of you know, the hundreds or maybe thousands of roles that they have. This is one way we've taken that and, and made it scalable, right? Using machine learning and AI. So the only information I'm giving to Greed at this point is the role name. And, and obviously okay. this can be automatically fed in from, from other systems. I'm just showing it from the UI perspective. Now I can, um, I can ch check auto-populate. Um, and when I create the plan, what's gonna happen? Degreed is gonna take that role and it's gonna go look across all of the data we have related to that role and all of the information we have about the content in your in your ecosystem, and it's going to start recommending um, based on, based on that, right? So it's it's doing that on behalf of the organization, and so you'll see it'll start populating all of these different all of these different areas with actual content, or at least it was, and then it went away. I might have clicked on. Uh, I was going to say all the admins just just cheered, right? Everybody on the administrative yeah. side of things just went because I mean, right? That's something that historically we've all wanted to get to but just the sheer time and effort going into it is it's brutal that's exactly what it is and i and i actually erased it by by denying those suggestions but uh but but yeah all, all of these all of these would automatically be populated and you're exactly right it's not it's not a new concept it's just these things haven't been scalable, scalable. in, in the past right so so we're using technology to make those types of things scalable. well technology i should say human and machine coming together so yeah. you still need to empower the human you still need to empower the organization but we're making the machine side of the equation a lot more efficient and a lot more relevant it goes back to that whole people fearing the machines it's like no mm -hmm. it's just taking rid of that tactical stuff you just couldn't get to so yeah the, the 60 70 percent right so last question, and then we'll, we'll close. I, I told you we were going to get to the end and be like, well, wow, we could just keep going with this. But the skills piece, right? You talk a lot about the skills and you showed, you know, people can self-rate, which I'm, I'm sure, you know, you're dealing with that whole Dunning-Kruger. I think I'm amazing at, at some of this stuff. How How is Degreed helping truly assess people's skills and their ability to do things, not just I think I'm good at this, or I watched a lot of videos on this, but maybe I really don't know how to do it at all because I haven't actually done it. How does it balance that? 
Yeah, great, great question. So we, to your point, we could probably spend a whole nother sort of uh, maybe <laughs> right. just on this topic. It goes pretty deep, but but our our skill sort of assessments they're outcome based, not knowledge based. Um, so when we're going through the assessment, we're not necessarily testing for knowledge. Some of the some of the techniques we're using on it, it's very scientific method. Um, but we're looking at sort of social validation as an example. We're looking for for proof, right? If somebody's saying that we're having them either write or 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 upload evidence, I should say evidence based that they've demonstrated the skill. Um, we're we're doing sort of comparative comparing comparative judgment against other other individuals that say that they're also in that skill. Um, there, there's I think there's maybe seven to nine different different sort of scientific okay. instruments that we're using. To, to actually make good judgment on, on that out, outcome-based assessment, not, not really not basing it on learning at all to, to a certain degree, right? The, the learning is just the signal that we know. We, can, we, can, we monitor, right? We can say, hey, this person's taken 30 learning items related to this skill, and then we can facilitate and say, hey, would you like to go and, and, and measure yourself to see if you've actually upskilled in it? And then we put them through that skill assessment process. Okay. That's extremely helpful because I think, right, that's that's a big piece of it around skills. So understanding, right, there's more to it than just somebody says, I think I'm good and my manager says I'm good, so therefore I'm a 10. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's still a good data point. But but it's yeah. Not, not a bad one, but if that's yeah. the only data point you're pulling from, it's it's certainly incomplete. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Well, you know, we're, we're over time. Like we always seem to be as always, as always, we, we could probably and have you back again and, and maybe just focus on the skill assessment piece next time or something like that. But this has been fantastic. You know, Todd, I know you're, you're like traveling. We've got, you know, Effie and Danny over here and I really appreciate you guys making the time to be here and, and talk more about degreed. Um, so thanks for that. And any other closing kind of thoughts, comments before we go? Yeah, I would say, I mean, this is Effie, I would say, um, would love to come back and, and talk to you in, in a few months time or maybe a couple of quarters time about the evolution of this. I mean, this is this world that we're um, sort of like living in and degree doesn't stand still and we're constantly evolving, but we're also constantly evolving the, the examples and the use cases of the application um, with our clients. So we'd love to come back and talk to you about what that looks like in a few months time. Yeah. Well, in the technology, even myself, I've seen it evolve over the years. So the opportunity to say, hey, here's here's where it's going, things like that. And something that I think a lot of people may not know, this is how I got to know Degreed well. You can go sign up for Degreed just on Degreed.com and actually experience the platform yourself without necessarily even having to do all that if you want to know more about it. So I know that was extremely helpful for me to see how it all worked. Yeah. And on that point of view, on that point, by the way, there are loads of people asking questions for you guys in the LinkedIn comment section that we didn't get to. <laughs> so if, if when you guys do get some time, Effie, Danny, Todd, there's a lot of questions from uh, people in LinkedIn that we didn't manage to get to. So definitely take a look there. Because we only had an hour. Because we only had an hour. <laughs> and, 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 also, uh, and also, is there where, where's the best way for everyone listening to follow up, get in touch with you guys? What's the best way to, to reach out of you if they want to learn more? I'll go ahead and put my uh, my email out there, right? It's pretty easy. Danny at degree.com. More, more than <laughs> happy to uh, yeah. yeah, same Effie. Yeah, Effie also, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Todd. Same 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 format for me, Todd, at degree.com. Also, um, we'll make an effort to get back to everybody who asked questions uh, today or tomorrow. Uh, but obviously everybody can find us on LinkedIn as well because you guys found us. 
So we did. We did. What happens when there's more than one Danny, Effie, or Todd working at Degree? I was thinking like, the same thing. They got Danny lucky with one? that. Like, yeah, you guys got lucky. They only hire one. That's, that's, that's it. That's that one of the criteria We're for done. working yeah. here. Sorry, we don't have any more. We don't have any more Danny slots open. Yeah. And, and thanks, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your you tuning in today on LinkedIn and taking the time out. Please like, comment, and share as always. We want to share this knowledge and experience with as many people as possible. So please take a, se a second to share the post. Um, also, if you're not already subscribed, um, we've, we've actually added a link in the description for you guys to subscribe to the podcast as well. And I'll also include links to um, Degree's website and any, any resources they have over there to make life easier for, for everyone um, yeah. as well. Anything else, Christopher, before we wrap up? Nope, that's that's it. We'll be back next week, same time. Uh, so we'll see everybody then. Keep an eye on the Learning Tech Talks page to see who's coming and, and what's on the horizon. Cool. See you later, guys. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate Brilliant. it. Brilliant. Thank you, Christopher. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having us. Bye. Bye.